0: What's going on, fellow a Plusers? It's your boy, Adam Perez. I'm back, baby, once again with a brand new episode review as I am finally getting into the Star Wars series Ahsoka. That's right, Ahsoka dropped its first two episodes for us this past Tuesday, August 22nd. I'm assuming now, going forward, Ahsoka will be dropping every Tuesday for us. You can probably expect my reviews Wednesday morning dropping early for you guys, and if not, because I do work at the office on Wednesday, You can probably expect it either Thursday morning as well. So expect our Ahsoka series either Wednesday morning or Thursday morning, but I am really eager to go ahead and get into this particular series, as I think there's a lot uh, a lot on the line, if you will, when it comes to Ahsoka, especially for Dave Filoni himself. Um, so, just so you guys know, when it comes to my reviews, we like to do long form reviews here at A Plus Hero Report. If anything, we'll probably start off this with um, pros and cons, and then I'll get into some of the individual characters and their arcs as well. Um, and then, look, usually the first episode and the finale are usually my longest episode reviews, just because I like to kind of establish where we at and where we're ending uh, for a lot of these particular characters so uh, if anything I will add timestamps so you can navigate easily uh, throughout this particular video if you would like but um, a lot writing on this particular series for Ahsoka especially because for me as a fan and for those of us have grown up with Star Wars we know that Dave Filoni is George Lucas's protege so I think a lot of us certainly expect big things from him especially after his time in Clone Wars and Rebels both of those animated series are below Loved by millions of Star Wars fans. And so the fact that Dave Filoni is now getting his opportunity to transition over into live action is something that we have been asking for for such a long time to where hopefully Dave Filoni can just helm all of Lucasfilm by himself if he eventually gets to that point. So um, I have been really fascinated to see his journey into live action. Kathleen Kennedy, I believe, has put him in a really great position, uh, allowing him to be a sponge and soak up uh um, Um, as much as he can from those like J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson during the Disney Trilogy stuff um, and teaming him up with Jon Favreau and a list of other directors that have come across the television series and things like that. So Dave Filoni has definitely been doing his work. He's gotten the opportunity to dabble a little bit in a couple of live action episodes already, but this is his bread and butter. This is his holy grail, right? Like what he has been building up to for his whole entire life probably as he winds up getting the opportunity to bring his character Ahsoka to live action. So, and I'm looking forward to not only seeing how he does with this particular series, but also what that will mean for his upcoming Star Wars movie in the future. Um, Now it is interesting to know that Dave Filoni is writing all of these episodes, um, but he is only directing two of them. Uh, Episodes 1 and I believe episodes Five uh, And to be honest with you, when it comes to episode one, I can definitely tell it's a Dave Filoni directed episode for good reasons and for bad reasons as well. Um, but he can definitely feel the love that he has um, and his George Lucas isms, if you will, in his very first episode, which I'm not complaining about because um, there definitely feels like a George Lucas presence in this. I don't know if he purposefully meant to do that or he just finds himself doing that because he's worked under George Lucas lucas for such a long time but the opening sequence that we get of this new republic prisoner transport being boarded by these mercenary jedi slash sith whatever you want to call them um definitely just brought me back to a little classic a new hope vibes just because of the you know bailing in here cutting down the um the new republic officers on board the ship um or maybe even a little uh prequel uh vibes from george lucas as well but um uh George Lucas's presence was definitely felt in here and as a Star Wars fan I'm honestly always happy to see that. Um so some other pros about this episode that I was a really big fan of. Look, this the 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 opening ...for this particular um, show um, really just got me on board. Uh, I think they set the tone extremely well immediately. The fact that we see these two mercenaries using lightsabers, chopping them down. Um, They're not here to play any games. They're not playing around whatsoever. I thought it was a really great way for us to just be thrown into the mix of things uh, for this series. And then on top of that, the return of the opening crawl, if you ask me, is everything and meaning everything in the sense of just really separating itself from the other Star Wars series that we've gotten before. Disney Plus or just Disney and Lucasfilm in general have been really weird about how they want to use the opening crawl. I think we've only seen that when it comes to some of their movies but we have not had the opportunity to see it in series mode. So the fact that Dave Filoni takes it upon himself to now introduce the opening crawl to this series not only separates it from everybody else, but it just gives it a level of gravitas, uh, like a level of importance um, that this series now feels like more of an event series, if anything else, like a very important Piece of the timeline when it comes to Star Wars in general, and so uh, I think it immediately establishes that here for the Star Wars lore, and, and and I'm here for it, guys. So I thought we had a great opening crawl to establish how we got here, where our characters are currently at, and you know, and their motivations uh, behind their particular missions here in the first couple of episodes. So really great opening crawl, and on top of that. Uh, attached with a great musical uh, score and composition. I mean, I don't know who the musical composer is for this series, but they did amazing work throughout the entirety of this series or or this particular episodes, um, as well as just the opening theme song. uh, Also, especially with the intro video that we wind up getting attached to it. I mean, it's pure perfection to me. It definitely has those Game of Thrones vibes, but just in a Star Wars world, like instead of seeing a Western Rose map. We got ourselves a map of the Star Wars galaxy, uh, other galaxies as well, accompanied with great music. Uh, definitely gave me some incredible vibes uh, and uh, really put me in the mood for more Star Wars Ahsoka. So uh, I thought um, this series, uh, the beginning of this series, really had a lot going for it. Um, An enjoyable and really good start for the series um, that had a lot of pros um, and some cons. I don't think that this series is completely clean. I definitely had my issues with it, um, but I certainly enjoyed more uh, than not when it comes to this series so far. Um, If there is anything else that I really enjoyed about this series, I'm a big fan of the Ahsoka and Sabine relationship. That they've established with one another um the concept and the aspect of like a master and her apprentice kind of squabbling and at odds end with each other um separated to making these situations feel a little bit uncomfortable and awkward for these characters like i love the fact that Ahsoka's is like you really don't make any of this easy for me do you um and so for me it's really cool to kind of see just the perspective of both characters how some of them each of them probably think they're right. Um, and how the other's wrong, but I think also at times certainly taking the blame, even though that is sort of a little bit of a hard pill for them to certainly swallow, kind of questioning some of the decisions that they certainly made. But you know, by the end of the second episode, we do see them, Master and Apprentice, um, coming back Together again, I am finally embarking. You know, I, I, Ahsoka gives a great line in here, and I'm—it may not be an exact quote, but she mentions the idea. Like, look, sometimes we, um, sometimes the right decisions lead to sort of the wrong consequences. So for me, that definitely shows me that Ahsoka believed at the time, at least, that what she was certainly doing was right. The idea of maybe leaving Sabine because maybe she felt Sabine wasn't ready, and maybe her mentality is, look, if I if I leave and walk away, you know, this will put the ball in Sabine's hand in the sense of she'll eventually have to grow up, she'll eventually have to do it on her own in the sense of being ready for that particular moment to then maybe take on more responsibilities or take her uh, training certainly to the next step. And that unfortunately never happened. But when you see Sabine's side of things, you can see that she clearly has a lot of burdens and a lot of frustrations and things that she still way that's still way on her that she herself maybe hasn't necessarily let go of in order to be able to take um, that next step kind of going forward. So it's just a really interesting dynamic to see both of these characters perspectives um, and uh, trying to navigate what the relationship is now going to be. Uh, and it should make for a really compelling storytelling, because if anything, I do think that the story, Dave Filoni's story is definitely there. Um, The big question will be, how is the execution certainly going to happen? And that will probably bring me to my very first con of this particular two episodes. And I think a lot of my cons, honestly, really just fall into the aspect of episode one, really. Uh, And I think it comes down to uh, the feat of Dave Filoni in the sense of his directorial work. Um And maybe whoever else is in sort of the editing bay as well. Like the fact that this episode was like, what, 50 plus minutes? One, I don't think it needed to be that long. I I do think that a lot probably could have been edited or cut down in here to bring it into like the 40s at least. Um, You know, some things it's cool if you kind of keep in or if you are going to have a 50 plus episode, you know, make all of that count and make all of those particular scenes count. But yet in here, I do think that some of these... scenes are maybe dragged on way too long. Um, Sometimes it feels like the pacing is incredibly slow, which is interesting because there are times when I didn't necessarily feel like that was the case for the um, Andor series, right? I thought Andor was kind of a slow burn, but I think what also pushed Andor over the top were the incredible performances and the incredible dialogue, right? Like they really dug down deep to get some of these um, um, emotions out and things like that. But yet when I when I watch Ahsoka, while again, the story is there, there are aspects to the dialogue I would like to see improved or maybe a little bit more in depth of uh, in depth with the dialogue, because it does feel like at times Dave Filoni is writing for animation And I think sometimes the actors are then acting in the sense of animation, right? Like the the job of a director is also to be able to get sort of the best performances out of your characters and out of your actors. Um, And so there are times when I feel like maybe the performances came across maybe a little too flat, maybe a little bit one note. I mean, don't get me wrong, right? Like there are emotional different beats in here right like people smile you know people have some serious things to say but a lot of times if the emotions sometimes come across a little bit one note and i do wonder if that's a sense of dave filoni not getting the most out of his actors not really sharing how to direct them as actors um sometimes the dialogue did feel a little bit too simple for me and i really wanted to see somebody like rosario and sabine um or or Um, uh, what is her name? Natalie Bordizo, I believe her name is. Uh, If I'm butchering it, I do apologize. And again, not to say that they don't give good performances, because I really loved what they did, especially when it comes to episode two. But there are just times in episode one where it just feels a little bit flat for me. Sometimes the scenes go on for a little bit too long, like the a great intro to Sabine with the rock music and seeing just how much of a rebel she is, leaving her own ceremony and like on her speed bike and things like that. Like, But then you get to the scene where, you know, the X-Wing or the, the pilot has landed in front of the road and you're literally taking up like two minutes, it feels like, of Sabine Pedal to the floor, just riding down this highway, waiting to get to the, waiting to get to the um, spaceship. And he's like, is she going to stop? Is she going to stop? She's not stopping. She's not stopping. Oh my god, She's, she's, she's crazy. Is she really going to do this? Oh my goodness. She's almost here. Why is she not stopping? Like, bro, you literally could have cut like 10, 10 to 30 seconds uh, out of that scene. It feels like, and still get your same exact point across. Same thing with Sabine trying to unlock the map. Um, there are like four or five shots of just going back to the map, back to Sabine's face, back to the map, back to Sabine's face, back to the map. Back to Sabine's face. And then she figures it out. And I'm just like, you don't need all of that to to get across the same emphasis that you would have if you just edited it a little bit better. So there are times when it feels like there are awkward moments of silence, not enough emotion given, sometimes a little bit flat. And then you add the flatness with the length of the scene Uh, And sometimes it can come across just a little bit slow at times. Um, So, again, and I I do think that comes down to not only editing, um, but that also comes down to, I think, directorial work um, and how you have sort of your story beats and things like that. And, again, when it comes to the dialogue, um, I don't mind the dialogue, but I do think it could be a little bit more oomph there. So it still feels like Dave Filoni is very much in his animator bag. I think he's great at like visually what he wants to see. It's kind of the same comparison that I've given him to uh, was it Travis Knight who did the Bumblebee movie, right? He did a lot of animation, clay animation. You know, they have a great view of what they want to see. Great storyboarding, probably helped the cinematographer out in regards to capturing those incredible incredible images, right? And those incredible scenes. Um, But there's definitely much more to that. Um, And so I definitely would like to see Dave Filoni get more out of his actors from time to time. Um, Because I do think other performances in episode two really went a long way for characters like Ahsoka and Sabine as well. And not to say that they were terrible the entire first episode. I'm just saying there are definitely scenes in here that I definitely felt like could have certainly used a little bit more work. So um, that's probably most of my cons. And honestly, if I can give one more con out there. Um, as big of a fan as I am of Harris and Dula, as big of a fan as I am of Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. There are just moments in here I just don't necessarily know if she would have been my first choice, right? I know there are going to be some haters and naysayers out there that are like, oh, she only got this job because uh, you know she's married to Ewan McGregor and he literally just came back for Obi-Wan Kenobi. So maybe they shoehorned her in here as Harrow, was wanting to give her an opportunity. Look, I think Mary Elizabeth Weinstead is more than talented to land any role that she certainly is cast for. So I definitely don't want to push out on that or give her an excuse that somebody gave her this particular job but I'm gonna be honest her as Hera is not my first choice I think she does a really great job of showcasing the general aspect of her right the 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 general aspect of Hera and there are definitely times when Hera plays sort of that grandmother or that motherly role between ahsoka and sabine right that that um that um that neutral Um, person that they can both come to and squabble about and complain about the the other person to and she really be sort of the voice of reason and calm down children calm down you know like let's all get along and kind of push each other towards them sort of making up so she definitely has the personality traits of um of Hera for sure but performance wise and acting wise I I just don't know if again she would have necessarily been my first choice outside of that though i really didn't have any other complaints i thought they did a really good job with the or with these characters um getting the opportunity to see morgan ellsbeth along with the introduction to Balin, uh as well as his uh apprentice in shin um riveting stuff rest in peace ray stevenson who's no longer here but given one hell of a performance as Balin. he definitely has sort of this um very regal medieval sort of presence about him with the broad shoulders you know from his his, the way he looks in his cape because of like the shoulder plating that he has and stuff um just a really an incredible presence on screen was when he's on there and i just believe in eat up everything so i do think that they have nailed the villains in here nailed a lot of these characters and for me it's also cool to get the insight of the new republic a little bit more in here right the opportunity to see just As they're transitioning from the Empire to the New Republic, things aren't necessarily going very easy, right? I mean, we do see the struggles of that in something like the Mandalorian season. Um, But when it comes to something like the Corellian shipyards, the idea that these people literally did not stop working um, because of the fact that they were worried of falling behind and probably greed and money. And, you know, they wanted that transition and just easily continue. So you got these people that are part of the, the empire that are like, hey, uh, there was a big war. We lost. New Republic is taking over, but we're still going to work. Um, you know, if you're just going to let these people continue to work, yeah, they're clearly going to have the mindset of the Empire still and want to push back against any new changes that the New Republic winds up introducing them to. So there's corruption and evil still very much lurking in the New Republic Party, maybe because of the fact that they didn't want to take the time to vet some of these people. Um, And again, it's it's the idea of capitalism at its finest, wanting the machine to continue to run smoothly, Despite the fact that your workers are clearly uh, belligerent um, and don't necessarily believe in your same beliefs. Uh, And so I thought that was really eye opening um, to kind of see like how much uh, Morgan Elsbeth was really able to get away um, very much under the noses of the New Republic. Clearly, nobody really checks up on how much this progress or this transition has truly gone Um, so you can see the idea of not only this what the struggle is for the new republic uh, but maybe not necessarily putting their best foot forward when it comes to this transition and why evil still certainly lurks amongst them Uh, and when you add on to that the idea that you've now got this rumor of a returning Grand Admiral Thrawn and Morgan Elsbeth trying to do her best to bring him back you can definitely feel something to certainly brewing in here so um a really good start i again i thought it was a good start not without its hiccups for sure uh and i do think the criticisms for episode one and dave filoni's work is um is is valid um but i think you can still enjoy an episode uh, and have hopes for it despite having criticism criticisms against it so i am looking forward to seeing how the rest of this particular series um goes um if i had to talk about any of the characters in here real quick let me get back to Ray Stevenson's character and Balin. Uh, first, I am glad that we wind up getting David Tennant to voice Hugh Yang once again as the droid. Um, I love the idea that he has all this uh, sort of um um original Jedi Council sort of knowledge uh about his time at the Jedi Temple. You know, with him um being able to decipher the lightsabers and reveal to us that Balin at one point in time uh, was amongst the younglings at the Jedi Temple. I think is really eye-opening. Get an opportunity to see that, yeah, he, he originally did train as a Jedi and eventually lost his path over the years, clearly escaping the purge of Order 66 during the, uh, the beginning of the Clone Wars um, and really allowing himself to Um, stay undetected clearly going very much the wrong path and eventually finding himself a little bit of an apprentice and very much sort of like a hand for hire at this point in time uh, as he is very much a mercenary now working with um, uh, Morgan but I thought it was really eye-opening too to kind of see what his origins certainly used to be and I I am kind of curious also um, I really want Hugh Yang to um, stick around a little bit longer i hope he survives this ahsoka series because uh, i think his knowledge alone that he has sort of of the past jedi um i think really could go a long way for this series and any maybe other potential future series that we wind up um, getting also um i found the introduction to the path of um uh, was it paradia really fascinating the fact that Balin says that he recalls that story um, of the path to Paradia sort of as a, a folklore, like a child's fantasy, like a story that they used to teach over at the Jedi, uh, at the Jedi temple. But now coming to the realization that it's very much real, um, that it's very much real, that, that the path was in fact created by some ancient people. I don't know who these ancient people are, um, but I, I do find it fascinating. For some reason, the first group that came to my head was the Yuzan Bong, I believe, from the uh, the classic New Jedi Order um, books that we used to get Uh back in the day before they became legends tales if you will so i was wondering if that's what he was talking about but we clearly get to see the the the, the motivations for bailing in here is power um the idea of bringing grand admiral thrawn back and realizing like hey if you're part of bringing him back he's clearly going to reward you with power uh in a very uh big uh place of importance Uh, when it comes to his ranks. Um, So Balin is definitely trying to acquire all the power that he certainly can. And he's got a great apprentice uh, in Shin that certainly is doing a lot of his uh, dirty work for him. So I thought the battle between Shin and Sabine was pretty eye-opening. And I think, especially when it comes to Sabine, um, the idea of Hugh Yang also revealing to us that, you know, because a lot of us were questioning, like, man, was Sabine even Force-sensitive in something like Rebels? I never thought that they really emphasized it. But I love the fact that Hugh Yang really points out the fact that, you know, look, I've seen a lot of Jedi in my life. I've, tra- I've trained, I've seen people train a young Jedi in the temple years ago, and you're nowhere near them. So he really talks about this, really pointing out the idea that like your connection to the Force is pretty minimal, um, but she clearly has one. I, at least, I, at least I personally think so. I think some of the visions or some of the nightmares that she has is very much part of her Force-like visions, um, getting the opportunity to to be hinted at things, right? Like she literally has a nightmare or a vision of Ezra um, and some memories of Ezra before waking up and seeing ahsoka arriving to let her know hey i think we've got an opportunity to find ezra here right so maybe it's a little bit foretelling also um and i think also too the fact that you see ahsoka in here when sabine is in the hospital she can clearly hear um what's going on in Sabine's mind and the potential struggle and maybe even what Sabine has been seeing in her mind a little bit so I think she's even kind of picking up on it as well Um, but to be able to see Sabine pick up a lightsaber first off I love green lightsabers Um, I have a green lightsaber myself I'm a sucker for green lightsabers. I go back to Attack of the Clones, the um, the battle on Geonosis, the uh, the the Coliseum battle where Anakin's rocking the green lightsaber. I was a huge fan of it, honestly. So, I'm um, a big supporter of green lightsaber holders here, and I'm o- I'm always fascinated because I'm such a Star Wars nerd. I'm always fascinated when we get lightsaber battles to see who's going to ignite their lightsaber first. And if it's the Jedi that ignites its lightsaber first, I always just think to myself like, you're coming at this from a completely wrong point of view. Like you do not have your feelings or your emotions together or your training is far from complete. So when Sabine immediately activates that green lightsaber, I'm just thinking to myself, this is not going to end well for you Um, because I'm, look, I've never been one to certainly believe that a Jedi should draw its lightsaber first because um, I, I just don't believe in the fact of a Jedi using it as a form of attack, only as defense. So ig- ignite it when you're provoked um, outside of that. If you're not planning on using it, don't activate it. You know what I'm saying? And so I thought that was actually pretty telling, too, in regards to where Sabine's training was. Um, and I actually kind of enjoyed the fight between those two in a sense of a really um incomplete training and amateur still when it comes to lightsaber battles but clearly able to hold her own enough with shin you know i don't know if shin was just playing around with her at first um or if it was actually an even even battle as shin is an apprentice too but she definitely feels a little, little bit more cleaner in her training and much more far along sort of thing so um i was surprised that sabine wind up getting impaled but again it it drives me crazy that i i feel like like i have no justice for fucking qui-gon part of my language but like qui-gon deserves justice um if if he can look i've seen two other people so far being impaled in the stomach with a lightsaber reva from obi-wan kenobi she still managed to survive go to an entire new planet and still try and kill somebody um and now i'm seeing sabine also make it out of alive here uh, with being impaled from a lightsaber and poor Qui-Gon is lying on fucking Naboo not even bleeding out but being held by his apprentice and nobody can do anything about it like what is happening like you guys don't have first aid or a medical kit back in the phantom menace times to be able to help bring this guy back to life or heal him before he properly dies sort of thing um, so it, it boggles my mind that Qui-Gon Jinn can't survive a lightsaber stabbing yet uh reva and um sabine certainly do so i'm a little bit over it it's really starting to make the lightsaber feel not as deadly um as it certainly used to be because i was very much under the impression you get stabbed with a lightsaber it's over for you but clearly some people uh can survive these things um so a little bit bummed about that but i really enjoyed the, the the battle sequence that we wind up getting and I think the actress that plays her is incredible. Um, the introduction to Sabine in here, I thought, was great. The rock, uh, the rock music, um, it gives me like that Chris Pine as Captain Kirk from the Star Trek reboot movie uh, kind of vibes that we get, and just not. Beastie Boys. uh, What is it? Intergalactic or something like that. I can't remember what song it was, but I definitely got that type of vibes. But I I think performance wise, I think she's incredible and I cannot wait to see what her journey is going to be like, especially now that she's back with her master. Um, As far as Ahsoka goes, you know, first off, I, I, I love the idea for Ahsoka here and seeing what her relationship is like with the New Republic. We always see Ahsoka kind of come and go um, on her missions and stuff, but don't really see, like, the bigger scope of it. So the fact that they still refer to her as Fulcrum I thought was really uh, insightful in here. And to see that she kind of comes and goes, takes new missions and stuff, clearly has had a connection and a... um, Um, a connection with Hera over the years as she clearly gets missions from her also. So I'm sure that they have definitely talked a ton over these years and just continuing to get closer with one another. But I really do like seeing her connection here with the New Republic and how she um, how she really helps them out. And if anything, um, I am fascinated to see like the mindset of sabine not sabine of um, ahsoka as to why she left sabine sort of in the first place right like you know she mentions in here she's like you know i left sabine very much like i left my master and you know anakin never got the opportunity to finish my training and there's a part of me that wonders if that haunts her to this day that she left her master when she did and i only ask that because you know if if you didn't get a full proper training as a jedi how do you know how to fully train and complete a jedi's um training um and i think the fact that she leaves early you know i don't know if that's a case of like i don't know what i'm doing so i'm going to depart or if she's really taking a page out of her own book of this sense, like, look, I I, I walked away from Anakin and I turned out just fine. You know, I found my own path, but maybe not the realization that just because that path worked for you, that maybe that path is gonna work for Sabine. Because while you walked away from Anakin and did your own thing, you didn't have your master walk away from you, right? Like you chose to leave, Um, and do your training on your own sabine probably felt very much like you kind of abandoned her a little bit and maybe because you left and you found the right way maybe you thought if i leave maybe sabine would find her way but it's not sabine leaving to find her way she probably very much wanted ahsoka to certainly stick around um it is one of those things like i kind of I kind of connected a little bit. And this might maybe not even be a fair comparison, but like for myself, you know, my dad passed away when I was young, when I was like six years old. And so like, there are elements to now that I'm a father that when I found out my girlfriend was pregnant, that I was very fearful of in a sense of like, I never got that full feeling of what a dad is supposed to do. So I myself always worried about having a kid because it's like, will I know how to be a father if that makes sense right um and not necessarily wanting to repeat some of the same mistakes that my father had with me or whatever the case may be and I kind of view that with um Ahsoka a little bit that inability because you walked away too early and your master wasn't there to teach you how to properly train somebody else or what a full training from a Jedi is like uh, maybe there were some fears for Ahsoka in that sense too of not knowing how to how to personally finish off her training and thinking maybe the only path forward is to walk away because it worked for me. So maybe it might work for Sabine. Um, and that un- unfortunately was not the case, but that's just my mindset. And at least in regards to where maybe Ahsoka might be. Um, and she looks, she's, she's much further along in her life now, right? Like she's like in her late forties, mid to late forties right now, uh, in this particular series. So, uh, a lot of time to, Consider your life, consider where you're going, what you've done before. Uh, And so I love just the emotional weight that not only Ahsoka, but Sabine certainly have in this series for both of them. That I hope that they're both able to work their way through together, especially now that they're back as master and apprentice. Um, But yeah, man, overall, really enjoyed the stuff, really enjoyed the lore they built. Um, I I thought the story was strong from Dave. Um, if anything i would like to see dave's dialogue get a little bit stronger and him maybe get a little bit more out of his actors um and maybe edit down some of these really long drawn out sort of dry scenes uh, that emotionally aren't picking you up or down but just feel kind of one note at times so um uh, other than that man really good start glad that we got two back-to-backs cannot wait for next week's episode but guys listen at the end of the day these are just my a plus opinions i want to know yours what did you guys think about these first two episodes of ahsoka am i wrong for my um how i felt about the cons for this episode do you guys agree with me somewhat um with some of the things that you enjoyed or what do you think dave was really great at in here go ahead and boast about this particular series if you want to in the comment section box below and we'll definitely go ahead and continue this conversation until next week week's episode but until then guys do me a big favor as always take care of yourselves take care of each other and keep it a plus i'll talk to you guys later bye